0: Morning everyone. Good morning. Great to see you. I was just trying that text myself if I'm new here and I didn't have time to do it. So, but I was trying. I just figured if a guy like me could do it, anybody could do it. It's a shame I couldn't do it. But, but, <laughs> but if I had more time, I could have done it. And there's that number. We're going to, we're really working on trying to do a better job of identifying folks who uh, are checking us out and new to the church, visiting and and, and uh, newcomers. And we want to be as helpful and careful as we can. And so this is one way that we think will be helpful. And obviously, more and more, we're all learning how to text and, and communicate that way. And so I hope that you'll take the time to do that. We'll uh, keep working on this as the weeks unfold. And thanks again for planning for Easter next week. We are expecting... Uh, you to bring some friends with you and we'll have a great celebration and we'll talk about our faith. Thank you for bringing your Bibles with you today. If you have them, we're going to use the book of Deuteronomy as our reference today on the last message in this series on marriage and family. We want to talk about strategic parenting. We're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 6 and read that chapter, 25 verses. We hear Moses now his last one of his last speeches to the nation before they cross over the Jordan into the land of promise, and he reminds parents and grandparents to press on and impress their children in the next generation. And when your sons and daughters ask and inquire about the faith that you should be ready for them. So I hope today will be a meaningful message for you as you think about parenting. I don't know about you, but uh, when, I was, when I was young, I knew a lot about parenting. Before I had kids, I knew everything there was to know about parenting then you have kids you know a little bit and then you raise kids and you know little still and then after you raise kids you just say I have no idea how to raise a kid because it's so hard so difficult so challenging and each child is unique so it takes a lot of skill and a lot of grace to raise a child and so I want to try to give you some practical advice today that I hope will be helpful so if you have your Bibles turn to Deuteronomy 6 if not we'll project these words on the screen our custom is to stand to hear God's word. So I invite you to do so as you're able. These are the words of Moses to the nation of Israel. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commandments that I give you and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear Israel and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey just as the Lord the God of your ancestors promised you Hear, O Israel the Lord our God the Lord is one love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your strength these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts impress them on your children talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road when you lie down when you get up in other words all the time Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then, when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. So fear the Lord your God, serve him only, and take your oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the people around you. For the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God, and his anger will burn against you, and he will destroy you from the face of the land. Do not put the Lord your God to the test as you did at Massa. Be sure to keep the commands of the Lord your God and the stipulations and decrees he's given you. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight, so that it may go well with you. You may go in and take over the good land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors, thrusting out all your enemies before you, as the Lord said. And in the future, when your son asks you, what is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and the laws the Lord our God has commanded you? Tell him. We were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders and great and terrible on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land he promised on oath to our ancestors. And the Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive, as is the case today. And if we are careful to obey all this law before the Lord our God as he has commanded us, that will be our righteousness. Now, may God inspire us today through the powerful words of Moses and may we apply them to our own lives and hearts you may be seated thanks so much you know the questions often asked are kids worth it and sometimes when you're raising kids you wonder but uh, here are what parents say when interviewed about the impact of children on their lives and this is pretty hopeful and encouraging I think 97% of all parents say they have no regrets having children 75% of all parents assert that having children actually strengthened their marriage That's hopeful, isn't it? 89% of all parents say that having children increased their enjoyment in life. And 81% of all parents said that watching their children grow up is life's greatest pleasure. Well, I think those are encouraging signs. Let me share with you Psalm 127, put it on the screen for you. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from Him, like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth? Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. And so there's, there's the encouragement, the perspective that children and having children are good. Certainly is worth to have children. The challenge for every person then is how you raise these kids, knowing what to do. All right, these don't come with an owner's manual and steps to uh, perfect children, So how can we develop the skills and receive the grace we need from God, the power we need from God to do this as well as we can? I want to submit to you that there are generally four categories of strategic parenting. I want to rehearse those with you today, that children need to receive from us things that they see, things that they hear, things that they receive, and things that they experience from their parents. So let's get into this. On, the, on your outline, the first point is this. You'll want to write down the word see, the things kids need to see from you. Now, one thing they need to see is dad loving mom and mom loving dad. It's very important that your kids see you affectionate, careful, loving toward one another because it, it reminds them that love is real and that love as a concept in the world because these little guys they're just they're developing a worldview and if you love if you love their mother their father well they will learn that as a concept love is possible and love for a lifetime is available to me as well so it's a great gift uh, throughout this series I've suggested to you that I haven't shared many personal anecdotes with you because of privacy and for Beth's of well-being but with her permission I'm sharing a few stories from our family today And I want to mention to you that that our home was a very affectionate home when we were raising our boys. It still is. Beth is a touchy-feely kind of person. She's very tactile. She She likes hugs and kisses and touches. And so she's kind of wired that way. And so she fostered that kind of culture raising the boys. Our boys are gone. They're raising their own families now. But if they were here today and you watched them, I promise you, while they were here... In church around their mother today you would see them both hug and kiss their mother at least once probably more than once that's just the style that's our culture that's our way now I'm not a touchy-feely kind of person but I'm a very physical person and so I express my affection and my love in physical ways it was good to raise boys that way I could just you know get them get them in a headlock take them to the floor and uh, you know express my love for them for about 30 minutes I stopped doing that when it was no longer safe for me (laughs) to grab them in any kind of physical way. It was too scary. Anyway, that's the way we lived. We never bought nice furniture when the boys were growing up because we were very physical. I mean, you know, balls were constantly flying through the house. Therefore, pictures were coming off the wall. Lamps were tumbling through the air. You may think we were wolves in a cave, but, but we were very physical and very expressive that way. I'm sure there were times... When the one boy would look at the other one, and goes, what's the racket on the other end of the house? And the other one would say, well, that's just dad chasing mom around the dining room table. <laughs> because that's what we would do, chase each other around, grab each other. You know, it was just that way all the time. And it's good. It's good for your children to see those expressions. Now, your culture, your style may be different than ours, but it's important that your kids get the idea that you love each other as their parents. It's gratifying for Beth and me to uh, go to our son's homes now, and there are times they, they actually have taken up the same mantle, and so they are very expressive, very affectionate, very, very huggy, grabby, chasey, all that stuff in their home. There have been a few moments um, when we've visited their home when I have to tell one of our sons, don't do that in front of your mother. It's, <laughs> it's not good chasing your wife around like that. Wait, wait until we're gone then you can chase her around <laughs> but it's it's a good thing because now their children are seeing these expressions of affection so they need to see it another thing your kids need to see is authenticity look at uh, proverbs 20 verse 7 i'll put this up on the screen it says god loyal people righteous people living honest lives honorable lives blameless make it much easier for their children now what parent doesn't want to make it easier For your kids, right? I mean, why not make it as easy for them as possible? And the Bible teaches us that if we live honorable lives, righteous lives, that it makes it easier for our children. A parent's character gives his children an inner stability then that they can draw on for a lifetime. It means that what you profess and what you confess is a person you're actually Expressing in your life. There's consistency, there's integrity in your life, and, and this authenticity. And so kids, kids identify that. They notice it and they absorb it. And it builds in them the same qualities of character. So they need to see that authenticity. And then another thing kids need to see is your heart. This is a big one, especially for men. Men, I hope you can hear this. Because it's hard for men to share your feelings with anybody. And this is especially true sometimes with your own children. But they need, to know, they need to know that you dream and that you have hopes and that you have regrets and you have fears and you have doubts. You need to let them in so that they can see you. When, when your children are real tiny, real small, they think you're just the best thing ever, that you're some superhero. My dad is the biggest, strongest, greatest guy in the world. Well, probably not. <laughs> and at a certain age... A child will actually understand, wait a minute, this isn't a superhero. This is another human being in the world. There's lots of human beings. My dad, my mom, these are, these are human beings. And they will have to decide whether they want to be in relationship with this other human being. I'm a human. My parents are human beings. And do I want to be in relationship, friendship with them? And the more you're willing to share your heart with them, the more likely they will be to embrace you as a friend. Now, you're their parent. But this friendship, part of it, can last for a lifetime. I discovered this by accident when one of our boys, Aaron, our oldest, was relatively young. I had reacted poorly to some misbehavior on his part, and I felt bad about it. And I had this instinct, I thought, you know, I need to tell him I'm sorry for that. And then, and then the next thought was, parents don't, don't apologize to their kids, that's not what parents do, so you dismissed that thought, but it just kept gnawing at me. I finally thought, well, maybe this is God's way of, of growing humility and testing my humility, and and okay, I'll give in to that. So I humbled myself, and I set Aaron in front of me, and I said, listen, the other day when you acted up, I, I reacted poorly, and, and I know what I said, and what I did was hurtful to you, and I just wanted to tell you I feel bad about that. I'm sorry for that and would you please forgive me and it was an interesting experience I thought it was all about me but what happened what happened with Aaron was fascinating because when I started the conversation he you know his countenance said oh boy here we go again he's gonna work me over for that bad moment of behavior but when I then got to the apology he literally his countenance completely changed and I could read what was happening on the inside of him. It was so interesting, so amazing to me, and why I share it with you now. Because what I knew was happening in him was his esteem for me, his respect for me, and his trust in me was growing. I could see by the way he was looking at me, you know, you, you, are, you are a good person. You're a strong, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow you. I'm going to try to be like you. You could see it in him. And I just thought, wow, look at that. What is going on here? And, I, and over time, I sorted it out. I, this was one way to share your heart. You share your weaknesses with your children, and they will respect you for it, not diminish you for it, because it's one human being being honest with another human being. So they need to see these things, your love, your authenticity, your heart. These are some things... Your children need to, need to see. Now, second of all, they need to hear from you. They need to hear from you. One thing they need to hear is are the words, I love you. Your children need to hear the words, I love you. Now, many of you are in the room right now, and you're going, why would the pastor have to say that? Isn't that obvious that you want to tell your children you love them? Well, here's a fact, friends, and here's an unfortunate reality, that there are many, many people in our world today who never heard the words from their parents and particularly from their fathers, the words, I love you. They never heard, I love you. They never heard, I'm proud of you. They never heard, I, I, I think you've got the right stuff, that you're capable, you're gifted, you're unique, you're, you're special, you have potential. They never heard those words. If I did a survey today in this room right now, and I won't, but if I took a survey today, how many of you have never heard from, your father, particularly, or perhaps even from either parent, in your memory, you never heard them say, "I love you," "I'm proud of you," and I promise you, there would be numbers of people in the room who would say, "I have never heard it." Now, I, there are consequences from that in your life. Now, I'm not here today to try to help you heal the wounds that you have from your father, or or try to try to create some kind of context for that. That's not my not my deal today. But what I want to say is how important it is for those words to be spoken. Moms, it's important for you to say these words. It is extremely important for fathers to say these words to their children. Because the words you use will determine to a large degree the kind of person and the kind of self-awareness and self-concept, the self-value that a child will have based on, the words that they hear from their parents. So important. When our boys turned 16, I did uh, something with them that I want to recommend to you. I asked them to sit down and list the top 10 people in their lives who had the most positive impact on their lives, the most important influence in their lives, the top 10. Like on their 16th birthday, right, on, right around that, List the top 10. Now they pushed back, you know, they came to me and said, oh, I can only get to seven. Now I need 10. Keep thinking about it. Keep processing. All the people you know, people that you admire, people you respect, people, that, people who have influenced you in a positive way. And when they got to 10, then I sat down with them and I went through the through the list. Now you see the value here isn't just to express gratitude to God and maybe even gratitude for, to these people for being such a positive influence. But it, but it made them think about the virtues and the qualities and the characteristics of people that they admire. And, and when, when I asked them to talk about each one of these people, why do you admire this person? Why are they important to you? And they were able to talk about the qualities of these people. Then they were actually processing the kind of qualities that they actually wanted to emulate. I want to be like that too. I want to have those qualities and characteristics in my life. Because that's the kind of life that influences others and honors God. And it was a wonderful practice. Some of you parents right now, this this is really helpful, a helpful skill for you. Because parenting requires skills. You're not born with all the skills you need to be a good parent. If you just parent based on your own instinct, by whatever degree that, that your instincts work for you, and most people's don't, you will either succeed or fail by degree. So you have to develop skills as a parent in order to become a better parent. And this is just one of the skills I'm just offering it to you. It's a pretty easy thing to do. I I also wrote my boys a letter on two occasions. One when they were about to graduate high school and go to college. And the second time when they were about to be married. And what I did in those letters is I just said, Guy, I love you. I'm proud of you. These are your strengths. This is your potential. you got the right stuff. I see all kinds of amazing things in your life. And I, and I want to affirm that in you and admire that about you. And so, and so these are the things I admire about you. And you're going off to college. I know what it's like to be a Christian man at the university setting. And so for another half a page, or page I talked about how to get through college as a Christian person. And so for about two pages, just to remind them. And then the same thing the week before they were married, I gave both of them a letter. Same kind of affirmation. I love you. I'm proud of you. You've demonstrated so many qualities. And this is what I know to be true about a man in a marriage, a Christian man in a marriage. And just for about two pages, I wrote those letters. Now listen, I promise you, my children, both of my boys, our boys, have those letters. And they refer to them. Just because there are moments in their lives, just like in your life and mine, when we wonder if anybody loves me or if anyone's proud of me or if I can actually make it through this situation, if I've got what it takes, if I'm made of the right stuff. I wonder, just like you do. And those letters are available. Our oldest son, Aaron, went to a a one-day men's conference in his local church a couple of years ago, and he reported this to me. And the name of the conference was Letters from Dad. Isn't that interesting? He said there were 300 men assembled at this one-day conference. In the first session, in the first morning of this conference, the keynoter got up and he asked this question. How many of you men, there are 300 men or so here, how many of you have, a, have received in your life a letter from your father telling you positive things? And if that's true for you, I want you to stand to your feet. And Aaron just went, hey, I've gotten a couple. Of, and so he stood up. He's thinking there's going to be a lot of guys stand up. You know how many guys stood up out of 300? Six. Now what's happening to you right now is you're processing your own life and you're thinking, my dad never sent me a letter. My dad never said those words to me. Listen to me. It's never too late to be a good parent. Why should I give my kids anything I didn't get? No, no. Be better than that. Rise above all of that. Never too late to do the right thing as a parent. What's keeping you from writing your children a letter right now? Nothing. Nothing's stopping you. You can do it. And I encourage you to do it. Well, they need to hear these things from you. Now, thirdly, they need to receive some things from you. I, let's use the word child and just as an acrostic. And we use the letters from child and talk about a few things. Number one, you need to communicate with your kids. And you say, yeah, yeah, well, of course, you need to communicate. But well, listen, communication is not easy with your children. It doesn't come naturally. There's like there's, bu- there's built-in disconnect <laughs> from, in communication. You ask, you ask your 12-year-old when they walk in from school, hey, how was school today? You know what you're going to get? A grunt. Uh. <laughs> or maybe maybe one word, okay, stop bothering me. So what you have to do, again, develop some skills. Understand what some open-ended questions are. Like, like tell me the best thing that happened today at school. The, the best thing that, you know, that really got your attention, you really liked it. Tell me about that. Beth and I were joking about that last night. I mean, one day, we, Isaac came in the house. Hey, what was the, what was the coolest thing that happened at school today? And he, go, and he goes, between 4th and 5th hours, a fight broke out in the hallway. He said, it was awesome. He's giving us a blow-by-blow blow of the fight. You know, he just thought it was great. <laughs> but again, we got him to talk. Tell him, hey, you know, tell me about your friends. You know, who's your best friend right now? And tell me why they're your friend. You know, I'd like to know about that. It's not, a, it's not about an interrogation. It's simply communicating to your child that you care about their life. You care about what's important to them. And that's why communication is required. And if you're not intentional about that, then most, most of the time it won't happen. So you've got, you've, got to, you've got to care about your kids and affirm and encourage them along the way. Here's the H in the word child, and that is to help them with their problems. One of the reasons that mistakes are often made by kids today is because of the source of the counsel that they get. Have you seen these lists of where teenagers refer for, for help and counsel and wisdom? How many of you know if a 15-year-old is going to ask another 15-year-old for, for godly wisdom, they may get the wrong answer? And it's just possible. And social media, you know, exacerbates this whole process. So you've got to be available as a parent to help with life instructions. It's just so important to teach and model the virtues of loyalty and dependability and modesty and courage and cleanliness, stuff like that. Define the roles of male and female. Those are important to talk about and inform your kids about sex and these issues of life that are so important. With with our boys, these were just conversations that we would have. And I would take them off by myself, especially when they got to be teenagers. You know, their mother nurtured them a lot when they were in the house growing up in their early years. And then and then I helped manage a lot of it when they were in their teen years because I, I identified with this. You know, there's a there's a there's a weird thing that happens in in the human condition. This is this is a, a a strange phenomenon, and you wonder what God was thinking when he set it up this way. But for example, boys, men reach their sexual peak at 19. 19 years old. Not, I mean, 19, and you're ready. You're ready to rumble. It, it's time. I mean, you are good to go. You, this is like a 485 horsepower engine in a VW body. I mean, we are revved up, baby. 19 years old. You know when women reach their sexual peak? 35. You see the the problem? What is God thinking? I don't... And so there's all this energy. The hormones kick in. All this energy. Sexual energy is a powerful, potent force in the world. And so you have to learn to manage it. Well, who helps kids deal with that? Well, their parents should be the ones helping them. I'd take the boys out to dinner. We'd go to a restaurant or something. I'd ask them questions like, how's your spiritual life? How are you doing, how are you doing in your spiritual life? And we would talk about that. And I could identify with them. Well, it's good. It's not so good. It's, it's average. It's exceptional. And then I'd say, and how are you dealing with your sexual energy? How are you dealing with that? Because I know it's there. And it's, and it's getting worse by the day. <laughs> It's getting more powerful by the day. So, how do you, because you're going to have to learn how to manage that. Really, for a long, long time. 30 year old man asked his 80 year old mentor, both Christians. 30 year old man said to the 80 year old man, You know, I really struggle with sexual temptation. When does, when does sexual temptation finally not become an issue in a man's life? And the 80 year old man looked at him and said, I don't know. It's not at 80. (laughs) So this is is an issue that has to be managed your whole life. And and so you've got to help your kids. Help. They need help. That's why God gave them parents. (laughs) Give them some help. Then under the eye, that's inspire them. Inspire them to believe in themselves and to believe in God. Compliment them every day. Build them up. Give them confidence. Make them believe in themselves. It's so important. Because some kids don't believe the best about themselves, and it's hard for them to imagine it. We had two boys, as you know. The oldest one gave him one one pump, and he was confident. Just one pump, and he's completely filled. The other one gave him a pump, and it barely moved because he was reluctant. He was reticent to believe the best about himself. He was reticent to believe what God believes about him. And this is what's true. The truest thing about you, the truest thing about your children, every one of your children, grandchildren, is what God says about them. That's the truest thing. And God says they're great. They have great potential. They're gifted. They have unique personality. There's no one in the world like them. There's purpose in their lives. There's there's design for them. And God wants to give them the best life possible. That's the truth. And so you want to pump that into them. So for one, we just had to pump him once in a while, and he'd, be, he'd fully inflate. The other one just had to keep pumping, pump, 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 pump. And so you meet these kids where they are, and they need to be inspired. They need breath blown into them. They need to be inflated. And, and, and you need to help them connect the dots spiritually, help them, help them when they ask. You know, when Moses said, when your sons ask, why do we have to follow these decrees? You tell them. You tell them God did great things. You tell them God did powerful things, miraculous things. We were enslaved in Egypt and God extricated us from Pharaoh's hands with great signs and wonders. God has done a great thing. We were lost, but now we're found. Once we were not a people, but now we are the people of God. So when your sons and daughters inquire about a transcendent God, you be ready to teach them and instruct them about what it means to know God. So So you need to let your kids... Catch you reading the Bible, and when they catch you reading the Bible, say, "Come on in here. Let me tell you what I'm reading about. Let me tell you some stories of the work of God in the in the lives of the people of God. Let me tell you some stories about what the way God's worked in my life." They need to they need to catch you reading, and you need to read the Bible with them, and you need to pray for, with your kids. And you, yeah, yeah, the preacher said, "Pray with your kids." Listen to me. I'm not talking about now. I lay me down to sleep, although that that's good but I mean find out what's important in their lives and then devote prayer with them around those kinds of issues. And pray with faith and pray with passion. Pray with your children like you believe that there's a God in the heavens who hears and answers prayer so that they will believe with you that God is going to move in their lives. So bring passion to it and bring faith to it. Need to serve together. Take them to the local mission. Expose them to people less fortunate. Expand their worldview. Most of our children are being raised in the suburbs and they're poor little rich kids. And you say, oh, well, we're not rich. Yeah, you are. And your children are spoiled. No, they're not. Yes, they are. And so, and so we've got to expand. They've got this myopic view of the world. They, th- they think the world rotates around me and meeting my needs and catering to my wishes and my desires and my wants. And that's the world we live in. It's a cool world. It's a world of privilege. So pull those blinders off your kids. Take them down to the mission. Take take them to a a food giveaway and let them see people in our own community who are less advantaged with less opportunity. And And let them care for folks like that. Take them on a mission trip. Take them places where they'll meet people in the world who are different and that will expand their worldview serve together share testimonies of God's faithfulness in your life and his power in your life speak words of blessing over them as often as you can here's the L lead them by word and example the reason you want to lead your kids is because they no one stumbles into greatness no one stumbles along in life and then suddenly stands up and says hey look I'm great that that's not the way it works And by the way, you are leading your kids right now. Every parent in this room is leading your kids right now. Now, here's the question. Are you okay with them adopting your temperament, your attitudes, your treatment of others, your patience, your habits? Because you're leading them. Are you leading them in the right direction? Remember the principle of the path. The principle of the path says direction, not intention, determines destination. Let me say that again. Direction, not intention, determines destination. For example, if you were going to Muncie and you ended up in Cleveland, you went the wrong direction. Are you okay? Are you, are you, is this too complicated? If, if you wanted to go to Muncie but you ended up in Cleveland, dude, you were on the wrong road. Going the wrong way. Yes, but I wanted to go to Muncie. I intended to go to Muncie. I desired to go to Muncie. I realized that Muncie is where I needed to go. Muncie is where I should go. Muncie is is, is where my heart wanted to go. I intended to go there, but I ended up in Cleveland. The reason you ended up in Cleveland is because you went the wrong direction. So if you're leading your kids in the wrong direction, change your direction. Change it. You know, I intended to work on my impatience and my, my quick temper with my kids. I, I intended to do that because I knew it was hurting them and and I and I knew it, da- it damaged them and I, I knew I needed to resolve that. But I just you know I just never got to it. I and I, I intended to to be more open to them about about my faith and about what I think about Jesus and 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 how I pray and hope for them. God's best. I I wanted to do that. It was in my heart to do it. I thought about doing it. I intended to do it. I just never got around to doing it. And I, and I know I should. I should have been more intentional about loving their mother or loving their their dad, and being more affirming and and expressing words that were more loving and accepting and caring. But you know, you just you, sometimes you get in a rut. And, you, and I, I wanted to, and I knew I should because it, I could see my. kid was hurting my. I could see it was hurting my kids. And I intended to do better. I just just never did any better. John Maxwell wrote an iconic book on leadership several years ago. It's called The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. It's one of the top ten books on leadership. If you haven't read Maxwell's 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, come on, read that thing. And one of the laws is the law of the lid, L-I-D. And in the family context... It simply says that our kids will not rise above the lid of our example to become better than what we model and teach them. So if we want godly kids, we must become godly parents. And as I said as I began this point, that you are influencing, you are leading, you are marking, you are impressing your kids right now. And so those areas of your life that you know is in the wrong direction, you need to change your direction. Because it really matters. It really matters. Every one of us in this room who've raised children can identify with this moment. When your child does something or says something and you go, oh, that's so disappointing. And then you immediately realize where they got it. Where did they learn that expression? Where did they learn that attitude? Where did they learn that response? And you know exactly where it came from. Pretty sobering, isn't it? It's happened to all of us. All of us. I mean, we can you can feel those moments, can't you? You just go, oh God, oh boy, I got to do better. And that's what I'm admonishing to think about today. Change your direction. When your children they are young, they need a coach. Right from wrong, all the rules, all the values. When the, when, the younger they are, the more specific and explicit the rules and the right and wrong has to be. The values have to be instilled. I mean, when kids are toddlers, I mean, it's almost every moment, every, like every three seconds. Don't do that. Oh, that's so great. Oh, don't do that. <laughs> that's wrong. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. Keep doing that. I mean, that's all day. So when they're young, you got to give them explicit coaching. Then when they hit adolescence and teenage years, they're away from you more than they're with you. And so now they need counsel. Counsel for me is keeping the guardrails on either side of the road. I mean, the hormones start to kick in. All these unique relationship challenges happen in your children's lives. All these new experiences and new feelings are happening. So there's all kinds of life is just racing along and it's confusing and it's difficult. So they need a counselor. And so you keep the guardrails up. You've already taught them right from wrong. And so they take off down this road and, and, they're, and they're all swerving like this. Everybody does. I mean, adolescence is temporary insanity, right? James Dobson said it this way. He said, he said when your children reach adolescence, you should put them in a wooden barrel and feed them through a knothole. And then when he said, then, he said, when they turn 16, just plug up the knothole. It's, it's, it's the safest way to, to manage them. That's hyperbole, of course. He doesn't literally... So, so you want to have the guardrails up so they can, they're can free to, to, to race down the road, but you don't want them going off the cliff. And then when they're adult children and they've left your house and left your care, now they've formed their own family and with its own boundaries. And now, adult parents, I'm about to help somebody here if you'll listen... Now, adult parents, it is no longer your responsibility to insinuate yourself into your adult children's lives. You're a consultant now. You go from coach to counselor. Now you consult. And consultants are only offer listening and advice and support when they're invited. And so it's by invitation only. You may not like the way they're handling their money or not like the way they're raising their kids or not like the way they're processing their careers. You You may have all kinds of concerns, but you must not insinuate yourself into your adult children's lives. If they invite you in, then you're welcome to advise. But until then, you're asking for trouble. It's wrong to violate their boundaries, just like it's wrong for someone else to try to violate your boundaries. Just recall when your mother-in-law gave you some helpful advice on how to raise your kids uninvited. Oh, yeah, that's not good. <laughs> Just remember that. So, so don't. Always make decisions with your kids in mind. So ask yourself, if my son or daughter had my worldview, had my faith, had my habits, had my temperament, would they be equipped for life? It's a challenging question, isn't it? And then the D stand, in child stands for dedicate your child every day to God. Remember, they came from God. They weren't in your life before this family was created they'll be out of your life at some point they're just passing through you are to be stewards of these lives you are to manage their lives but you are not the owner of these kids lives you don't own your kids they don't belong to you they belong to God and so you should dedicate them every day to him and ask for his best in their lives now here's the last uh, thought I'll take 30 seconds just hang with me at number four and kids need to experience things with you. And I'm just talking about special one-on-one times when your kids reach their teens, begin to invest in moments that will last a lifetime. Take take them on a mission trip, go shopping in Chicago, date your daughter, climb a mountain, build memories, build friendship that will last a lifetime. Now, if you ask any parent, any parent anywhere in the world whose children are now out of the home and gone, if you ask any parent, Anywhere in the world, they will all say this one thing in common. This is what every parent in the world will say, every one of us whose kids are now out of the house. They'll say this It went so fast. It went so fast. Can I get a witness? It went so fast. All of that to say, young parents, listen to me. Who has an ear? Make the changes necessary today. Direct your life today because it goes so fast. It'll be over before you know it. And now's the day of opportunity. And let me just conclude with this. It's never too late. It's never too late to be an effective parent. You may be in the room today and you say, you know, I've never, I've never said to my children, I love you, I'm proud of you. Well, it's not too late. Say it. Or you don't know the circumstances. They wouldn't even, they wouldn't even take my call. Write them a letter. Send them a text. Send them an email. Say the words. It's never too late to be a good parent. And so I encourage you to be the best God has enabled you to be. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you uh, this morning for this powerful witness all the way from Moses to inspire us to impress on our children these important values. And when our sons and daughters inquire, that we would inspire them and instruct them to know themselves well and to know you and to serve you with all their hearts. Lord, I pray for every parent in this room. Give us the grace, every grandparent. Give us the power. Give us the humility. Lord, enlarge enlarge our desire and our ability to care well and to lead well our children and grandchildren. We pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. All right, would you stand with us now as we sing?